What up, everyone? Here we go. Another episode of Outside Shots with your man, Eddie Johnson, who's live on the road in L.A. I'm your host, Saul Bookman. And once again, we're always brought to you by the good folks at OGesus. Happy 420 day, EJ. 420. Let's go. Do it. Let's do it. I'm here. I'm here in L.A. your enthusiasm from a mile away. (laughs) I'm, I'm here in L.A., baby. Let's go. Ready to get this going. I'm up in L.A. What's the? What's the? You don't know nothing about L.A. You don't know nothing about L.A. Yo, hey, my kinfolk from. Hey, my kinfolk from Compton. Now, come on now. Don't sleep on me. You old country boy. You gonna you gonna grab onto some kinfolk. (laughs) (laughs) Some kinfolk. They don't even know who you are. (laughs) Kinfolk. Saul. Who's Saul? What's the good? Who's Saul, honey? What's the go-to spot? Who's Saul, honey? We haven't. We've never seen you. Whose son are you? Man, first of all, they, yeah, they, you're damn right they haven't seen me because I don't go to Compton. That day, I stay away. You soft. You soft. That's you soft. You soft. What, what, uh, what's the go-to spot out in L.A. for you? For, for man, let's just say food. Oh, I'm trying to get this camera adjusted, man. I'm, you know, I'm normally sitting there next to you. I'm all in the middle looking good. Everybody can see what I got on. Now all you see is my damn head. <laughs> I mean, really, seriously, is, is that how it goes now? Huh? Yeah, yeah. Come on, yeah, yeah, man. Yeah. You know Denzel wouldn't like that. You know <laughs> his twin to not get the whole full s- scope of his twin. All right. What? Uh, like I said, uh, what's KJ, the KJ has got a good restaurant out here. Let me give my boy Kevin Johnson okay. an infomercial. Yeah, it's called Fixins. Yeah, it's right over here in LA Live. I'm gonna go okay. check him out tonight. And probably tomorrow, since he invited me. To, he invited me the other day. That means I'm going to eat free. <laughs> so I'm going to get a free meal. What kind yeah, of uh, KJ got soul food, food, baby. Okay. Soul okay. food. Right. Soul food. This is what right. your kinfolk used to cook. Okay. <laughs> All right. The ones you never went to visit yet. <laughs> hey, hey. You ain't lying. You ain't lying. All right. <laughs> hey, so uh, obviously you're out there in LA, Clippers, Suns. It's been a series one on one before they head into tonight's matchup. Uh, there's a lot of talk about a lot of different things. So let's just start off with let's start off with Pace and CP3. Uh, I think that's a good place to start. So there was an article in The Ringer today that was fantastic. If you haven't had a chance, I would go check it out. Um, and they they talked about CP3 having to adjust. And for, for so long, the way they put it was he had ha- he's had to micromanage every possession in his career. And now, in at this point in his career, he doesn't have to do that. And a lot of times, uh, he said there was a scenario against Orlando where – uh, there was a pick and roll, and he came off the pick, and he was just wide open and because Orlando just just said, yeah, we'd rather have CP3 take that shot, basically, than anybody else uh, named Kevin, Dev, uh, Kevin Durant or Devin Booker. Uh, in terms of pace, we saw the other night, every time Devin Booker was pushing the pace, the Suns got into a little bit of – they got into their offense earlier. They got into – it seemed like a little bit of a better flow – Things seem to go a little quicker and a little faster, which is kind of counterintuitive to what CP3 usually likes to do. What is your whole take on the pace of how the Suns have played thus far and really since getting Kevin Durant? I mean, look, everybody has to get used uh, to a different scenario when you add an all-time great Kevin Durant. So it's not just CP3. It's everybody. Uh, You know, your spots on the floor are different. Your responsibility changes. And with CP3, look, he he loves basketball. He wants to he wants to play till he's forty. I already I already know that. You can just tell by how committed he is. So if that's the case, he's got to change with the times as well. You get older in this league, you change. Your 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 ability to dominate is not as at the level that it used to be. And so he doesn't have to create for players now. At that, he has to create for Torrey Craig. He has to create for DeAndre Ayton. But he's got two guys to the left or right of him he does not have to create for. Mm-hmm. And that should tell him, just push it. Give them the ball as quickly as possible because they can make good decisions. And, and that's an adjustment he has to make. But you hit on the one important part. Uh, t- teams right now, are, they, they have a hierarchy, right? KD is one. You can see it with them double teaming him like they are. Devin is 1B, okay, because he's not a two. He's 1B, <laughs> all right? And then everybody else is going to get some good looks. 
And so I think Chris Paul has to understand that, that those two can create for the other guys as well. It's not all on his shoulders. He can save some energy now. Uh, he doesn't have to really struggle to bring the ball up the court with pressure, 94 feet. He can give it to KD. He can give it to Josh Kogi when he's in there, give it to Devin. Uh, you know, so he doesn't have to do that now. He can save that energy for what he did in the fourth quarter. And yeah. that's have the energy in his legs to be able to knock down that lethal mid-range jump shot. And so, yeah, this is all work in progress with this team. They're not totally there yet, but the playoffs kind of force feed you. So, yeah. right, it forces you to watch tape. It forces you to be more in tune with what you have to do. And so, yeah, game My- one wasn't great for Chris, but we see what he can do, man, in game two. You you start to just allow him to come off that two-man game when he and DeAndre, and he can flow right into that mid-range. He's going to devastate you. One, one of my concerns is, is that the Suns, uh, because uh, of of their lack of attacking the basket and uh, perimeter uh, shooting, uh, have to rely on a high percentage from the mid-range. And we saw that game one versus game two. Uh, they, saw, they shot damn near 70% from the mid-range in game two and won that game. Uh, the Clippers right now have doubled up, and I mean, it's, it's, it's like 37 to 18 or 37 to 16 or something like that on both shots at the rim and shots on the perimeter, uh, wide open shots at the perimeter. And when they say wide open, they mean something uh, outside of six feet, uh, a defender not within six feet of said player, right? Um, those are things that are going to have to adjust. I would have to assume if if the Suns want to be dominant in, in this series, really take control of this series because – I know you have three of the greatest mid-range shooters of all time. I do. But you're I think you're relying really, really heavily that they're going to be able to shoot at 65 to 70% every single game. I'm not saying they can't, but I feel like that's a variable that it just makes me feel a little uneasy. Yeah, I mean, well, you got a lot of parts there. Let me just say the, the let me comment on the last part you just said. If the Suns get more field goal attempts than their opponent, they're probably going to win. Yeah. Because they will shoot the ball better. Like, they will shoot it better. If the Clippers shoots 45, the Suns will probably shoot 48 because they're better shooters. They're better balanced, effective shooters. And so they are going to probably win most games if they can get more field goal attempts. Now, in the first game, they didn't. It was 11. The Clippers shot 11 more shots despite shooting a poor percentage, where it doesn't matter if they're getting more shots at the rim, right? And so – why did they get those 11 shots? The Clippers were a plus 11 on offensive rebound. Yeah. There you go. So the Suns have to rebound the ball. If the Suns, this is what I'll tell people all day long. If the Suns rebound the ball, they're probably going to win. Because I'll bet against them any night with 80, 85 shots apiece, okay, regardless if that team could be a plus, you know, three or four in the three-pointer. As long as the Suns keep them off the line and rebound the ball, they will probably win. But now, that's been the I, that's but that's been more the exception than the rule. Like I mean, the Suns have been out rebounded a, a significant portion of this year. They've had those struggles, and they, they have now. taken teams to the line far more than they've gotten to the line. So, but I, they got but but they got a guy in KD now that's going to get you seven eight rebounds. Mm-hmm. So it's different. Okay. So it's different. And so that's the point. Like, now, yeah, if you had said that before KD, I would agree with you. But, no, he's a guy that can get you seven to eight rebounds. And I'm not talking about defense. I'm talking about, I'm not talking about offensive rebounds. I'm talking about just getting defensive rebounds, just making mm-hmm. sure that you're not giving up consistently second and third attempts. Because at the NBA, in the NBA level, okay, if you give an NBA team two chances, they're going to make one of them. So you cannot allow it to happen. And then in the scrum of the offensive rebound, you throw it back out because now your defense is in disarray. They're going to find an open guy wide open. And that's what happened late in the game in game one. So, yeah, you're right. It's going to be tough. But, damn it, you got to do it. There's no perfection in basketball. Mm-hmm. None. You have, And you have to learn to do things you don't like to do. And one of the most ugly jobs in the NBA, in basketball in general, not just NBA, in basketball in general, no matter what level you are, is defensive rebounding. Why? Because you got a guy pushing you in your damn back. You got to be able to dig down deep, squat down, get your butt into his legs, and, and keep him off. 
That's, that's if, work. That's that's if you can even find a man to block out, which EJ, I'm here to tell you, watching some of these first quarters has been a major, major, major problem. Uh, multiple guys. Ball goes up. What do they tell you not to do when you're in high school, when you're in elementary school, when you're in college? Don't stand there and look around, exactly. find a man, and put somebody. a body on him. You know what I mean? Somebody. And, and trust me, they know this. But sometimes you have to be reminded. There's so many things that go into a game that goes into a responsibility that you have to be reminded. Like I have to remind you sometimes, you know, make sure you, you know, be nice to me. So you have to remind people. I'm nice to you. You have to remind people, man. And so that's a part of it, but they all can block out and rebound. Trust me, they can, but you have to remind them. And, And that's the part that Monty has to continue to work on. Now they rebounded the ball better in game two. They rebounded the ball better. So that's part of the problem right there because the Clippers aren't going to outshoot them. So when you play in a team that you know are going to be tossing up bricks, okay, other than Kawhi, who's very efficient, they're going to chase the rebound. And you got to go get it because if you go get it, they have an unbalanced floor because they're desperate to get the offensive rebound like the Suns blew the game open, right? They got the rebounds, and all of a sudden they didn't have to run plays. They push the ball up quickly and they have wide open shots. So that's what they have to do. And uh, as, a for, as a as a former player, uh, you know, uh, you know, there's a lot of talk about the the load that Devin Booker, Kevin Durant, and even to a certain degree, uh, Chris Paul are playing with. They're playing 44, 45 minutes uh, last game, and they're playing 40 plus minutes in this series, which we kind of expected that they were going to play 40 plus minutes in the, in the, in the series. I mean, that's just the playoffs. That's just how it goes. But um, I made the point yesterday that not all, all, not all 45 minute loads are the same, right? Uh, because if you were, uh, you know, I forgot who was that, that mentioned this, but uh, if you were the LeBron led Cavs back in the day before Kyrie getting to the playoffs, like, that 45 minute stretch is way heavier for LeBron because he had a guy, a bunch of guys that couldn't do anything else around him. So that loads much different than uh, you, you having Devin Booker and Kevin Durant who can kind of uh, level each other out and they don't have to carry as significant a load uh, when it comes to minutes played. Uh, how do you feel about that? Do you agree? Uh, and do you think this is overblown or do you think that this is something to keep an eye on? You know, I, I think you were listening to my radio show yesterday, Sirius XM NBA Radio. <laughs> I always NBA listen to you, man. Show, one to four <laughs> Pacific time. That's where you got that from. You know, don't talk about you forgot what you heard. I mean, are you freaking kidding me? Come no, on, seriously. I, mean, I got you know a great basketball well, mind. You know Eddie. damn well. You know damn well I said that yesterday. <laughs> and you're not, not going to even give me credit. I didn't know you said it, Eddie. I got a job, you know? I, I got things to do during the day. <laughs> Well, you're pretty good. You've been hanging around me a while, then you started to grab on to my mentality. But Saul, you're exactly right. Uh, all minutes aren't the same. And I was talking about that yesterday. Like, people that well, they're playing all the minutes. I said, Kevin Durant stood in the corner for about five of them, six of them. Yeah. You know why? Because he was watching Devin Booker light him up. <laughs> That's not working. Like he was probably he probably exhausts more energy over the sitting on the bench with 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 stress by just other than standing in the corner. Chris Paul, same thing. They're not putting in hard work within those minutes because yeah. they have so much talent out there in those four that they can rest while they're on the court. Kawhi Leonard can't. Kawhi Leonard can't rest. Yeah. That's the difference. So it's not how many minutes you're putting in, it's what you're doing in those minutes. Uh, you know, the same people that's complaining about that, it's funny to me because a lot of these guys work at eight-hour jobs, and I know what you're doing in them damn cubicles, playing video games, looking at Twitter. You ain't working hard, but you're working eight damn hours every day. And then some people working eight hours like I used to in a construction job. Fool had me hanging off damn buildings, okay? I had stepping on damn nails, okay? That's working hard. But so you you work construction? So- Oh, for three years, dude, in, in college. Oh, okay, in college, okay. I was like, in what? In college. Okay, all right. Yeah, I've worked right. every day of my life since I've been 14 years old, so I don't sleep. Did you walk back and forth to school 30 miles in the snow? I didn't, <laughs> no, I didn't walk back. No, I didn't. I, uh, 30 <laughs> miles, no. I mean, I had I had 20 cents to get on the bus, jeez. 
<laughs> wasn't that poor. I was poor, but wasn't that damn poor. <laughs> but no, you, you get it though with the energy. So yeah. I'm not worried about it. But and again, I think people need to understand something. I know you're going towards a bench, right? And listen, the starters have to do a better job of really, I think, at least controlling the game early. So yeah. Monty is not subjected to having to really be short with his bench. Like he put TJ Warren in the game the other day. You think he put him in there for defense? No, he put him in there because he maybe thought put him out there, maybe he can get something going offensively. But what happened? They couldn't stop the onslaught of the Clippers getting a bigger lead. So he had to take him out. Damian Lee had to take him out. So that's the problem right now is that we've gotten behind in two games and now that messes up the rotation. So if they can find a way to control tempo in this first half tonight, you'll see the bench play more and you'll see the bench play better. Matter of fact, we saw them last week at the end of the season when the Clippers really needed a game, those same bench players almost beat them. So they can, they can play within their role. And again, I remind people, two of those starters are going to be on the floor with them. So it's not going to be five bench players, it's going to be three. So it's a different animal. And I just want people to just calm down with this right now with the bench. I just think it's about getting a W, man. And Monty had to go get that W, man. So, hey, TJ, sorry, man. I know I made you take your warm-ups off and go in there and I called you right back. But it's about the W right now. And I think yeah. TJ understands it. Uh, hello in the chat said, uh, you work in construction. Well, that's how EJ got used to those bricks. <laughs> but then he came back and said, LOL, Eddie is the MVP. Uh, so he tried to be nice. <laughs> uh, he, well, well, he know he knows I didn't shoot bricks, okay? Career, career 47, 48. And the only reason it dropped down is because at the end of my career, I had some coaches that didn't play me, okay? Uh, all right. I call him a name, but this is a rated PG show. Is it though? I don't. I don't know about that. Uh, also, uh, going back I, to your going back to your bench point, um, I will say this: there's a certain individual, and I'm not. I, you know, listen. If you want to know who the individual is, you can go watch my PHNX Sun show. But what I will say is, you cool. you've got to give me more than four points in 38 minutes. I'm just gonna say that. And I know defensively, Landry Shamit is good and all this other stuff and blah, blah, blah. But if you're only giving me four, that means basically every single time we're coming down the court, we're playing four on five because he's he's not giving you any – he's not a threat. He's not a threat whatsoever. This is my problem with the fact that, uh, you know, T.J. Warren and, and Terrence Ross – are not getting any run. You know, they got a couple minutes and uh, Terrence Ross got a couple minutes in game one and that was, he was yanked. Uh, and yeah, he had a defensive lapse. But my thing was, again, all season long, my biggest issue has been that we have not seen consistency in substitution patterns for a large portion of this season. It's been wildly erratic. And you just don't know, wh- and as a player, you just don't know when your number's going to get called. And it's much easier to say, well, you got to be ready when your number's called. You got to be ready when your number's called. But yeah, basketball players are also rhythm players too. And they know. That's why throughout the entire season, Devin Booker plays the entire first quarter. Then he sits a portion of the second. And then he comes back. Devin Booker knows exactly when he's coming in, when he's coming out. Same thing with CP3. Uh, bench players could have that similar kind of role, and I think that would ease some of that that frustration. Uh, and I know in the playoffs, things shrink down and things tighten up. I get it. But I would like to see a little bit more leniency uh, towards Sham, or towards uh, TJ Warren specifically and Terrence Ross to a degree uh, than I we have seen so far. Because if you're not getting any production offensively from another 38 minutes, then then what's the what are we doing out here? What's the point? It's not easy uh, being a bench player, you know, take it from me. I mean, half my career, at the end of my career, that's what I did. Uh, But I learned how to do it very well. Uh, And you got to have nerves of steel. You got to have a serious ego. And, you know, I got that. But you got to have extreme confidence. Uh, And you got to know that you're on borrowed time. Yeah. Like when you're a role player, when you're not a starter, you're on borrowed time your minutes only going to be predicated on how well you plan. Like, and then you push it to a point where, okay, they might give you a little bit more rope than the other guys. Right. So in my career, I had a lot more rope, but the important part is I knew that I was on borrowed time. And I think Landry, Landry Shamit is a nervous ball player. And I think one thing you have to admit it 
first before you deal with it. And I hope he sees this video. It's not a knock on him. It's a lot of nervous ball players within their role. He's a nervous ball player. He thinks too much. Mm-hmm. Like you don't think until after, not before. Like I pull up the shots when I play. I didn't think I was like trying to make that sucker. I didn't care what anybody's feelings were when I went up to shoot it. Yeah. I played with three all time greats at the end of my career. Charles Barkley, Akeem Olajuwon, Clyde Drexler. And all three of them will tell you. I shot it and, and and they looked at me and I looked at them. Like, what? You know, so but they respected that. Yeah. Because they needed that confidence from that guy. If you're gonna go up and shoot the ball and I'm standing next to you and I'm open, then you better have a lot of confidence to knock it down. And I think that's what Landry right now is dealing with. He doesn't have it. And you can just tell. You look at his free throw. His free throws, he gets more arc on his free throws than yes. his jump. Yes. And that tells me it's a nervous energy, a nervous twitch that he deals with. <laughs> and the only way to get through that is see the ball go through. How you see it go through? Get out on the break. Try to get to the line. Get an offensive rebound. He He's still stuck in that where he doesn't know what to do. But he's a very good defender. And I think that's why Monty plays him. That's why he trusts mm-hmm. him. Uh, because he can defend. Uh, and so I think it's going to get to a point, though, where Terrence Ross has to be ready. TJ has to be ready. Because when they call your name, you got to produce. Yeah. Because you got to justify and say, okay, yeah, you should be playing me. And that's what they both have done. Remember, TJ didn't play a lot early when he got here, and then he put him in. All of a sudden, he started playing well, and then Monty started putting him in the rotation. So I think in the playoffs, it starts all over again. And they have to convince Monty that they're the guy that should play that role, as Torrey Craig has done, you know, as Josh Kogi has done. I mean, and so his campaign is done. And so I think that's the key for Shaman. But you're right. He's struggling, man. And I wouldn't be shocked if he didn't get a run tonight or if somebody came in before him tonight. That's just what, the way it is. One of the things that I have noticed about Landry Shamit specifically, and I'm glad you brought up the, the, the lack of arc on his jump shot before he got injured. Uh, he was playing at a pretty high level. He had a couple of games where he dropped 31 points. Um, and and the arc on his shot, but the shot, shot was it wasn't that much different. It was. I would like to say it was. It was. It was a little different. Also, but more importantly, more importantly, uh, it, it, his rhythm was a little slower. I thought well, it was a little okay, bit more now, in tempo, I, and I, I, I thought he was a lot part. more in control instead of speeding up his shot. Well, the rhythm part is fine, but his yeah. shot is always flat. It and is. He might get a little lift every now and then. He has a flat shot, and he has to correct it, man. Like, it's fatal. Like, if you just think about the dynamics of shooting, and this is for parents that have kids right now that's watching this podcast, okay? Just give you a simple mindset, okay? You can actually shoot the ball too high because if you shoot the ball too high, then when it comes down, it actually has to go straight in. Yeah. Just think about that. It has to go straight in because if it comes down, hits any part of the rim because it's dropping from such a higher altitude, it's going to hit the rim and it's going to bounce. Physics. So it's it so it's you it's a sense of not if shooting too high. Yeah. Okay. Terrence Ross gets away with it, but you can see his is a little bit too high. But you know he's very accurate with it, more accurate than most. All right. Now with the line drive, the line drive is predicated on you being able to see the middle of the rim. Well, how are you going to see the middle of the rim? You jump higher on your shot. That's why Russ, Russell Westbrook struggles with his shot yeah. because he used to be able to jump real high until he had the lower leg injuries. Now he doesn't jump as high on his jump shot, so he's not seeing the inside of the rim, okay? Big seven-foot guys can have a flat shot. Why? Because they are looking down in the rim because they're up there already. Mm-hmm. But with a guy like Shamit, he's he's trying to jump real high on his shot, and he's shooting. He's trying to look in, and he can't. He can't find it. And maybe because of his injuries now that he's dealt with, over the last number of years, he's just not getting good arc on it. And when you shoot it flat, it can only go straight in. Like it has to hit the back of the rim and yeah. boom, go in. But a lot of his shots do what? Hit the front of the rim. And or it skips over the front of the rim. And and that right there, man, is just, you know, I've taught shooting my whole <laughs> entire life. And that is a that is an education, people, that I appreciate if you send a hundred dollars. <laughs> with me because I normally charge for that. 
because <laughs> most people don't get it. You got these shooting coaches out there, man, teaching these kids the wrong way. I'm all for looking at the back of the rim. Some people look at the middle of the rim, and that's fine. But I'm all for looking at the back of the rim. Why? If you get good backspin on the ball and it hits the back of the rim, which direction is it going to go, Saul? Down. Down. Mm-hmm. It's going to spin down. Yeah. You know, and just, just those logical things, man, that even NBA players today fail to realize. And I, I call games, and, and I know fans sometimes say, Eddie, always talking about what he did and and why they're not doing it. Because I'm not talking to you, couch potato water boy. <laughs> I'm not talking to you. You know why I say it? For the little kids that I like. I like them. I don't like you. Water boy, couch potato. You can't play anymore. You're on the couch. Eat chips. Talking about the game that you once played. I'm talking about to kids and to parents that want to teach their kids. That's why I bring that up doing games. And I use Landry all the time. I don't think he likes it, but. Hey, somebody's got to tell him. Uh, also, if you want to eat some chips uh, and maybe sit on some couches, you can come out here to the BetMGM Sportsbook tonight. Uh, we, we got a huge Suns watch party, so come hang out with us. Also, nice. it is 420, uh, so we got to mention our good old folks at OG's, the sponsor of this show. Appreciate them very much. The best in the game. Go to OG'sBrands.com. Find a local dispensary that carries some of these Happy Balance gummies. They have a whole plethora. They got the the, the cream uh, drops. They got the, they got the different berries and stuff like that. It's just fantastic. They got uh, strawberries and cream that just dropped a little while ago. Happy Balance Gummy CBD to THC one-to-one ratio. Aches and pains going away. Make you feel a little calm, nice and smooth uh, while you go out there and, and have a good time. Or maybe you're going to get a run in this weekend or whatever you're going to do this weekend. Uh, it'll be fun. Some some of y'all need it for the Suns games because the, the highs and the lows are are pretty significant when you watch Twitter. So uh, come check us out tonight at the BetMGM Sportsbook, but also before that, get yourself some Happy Balance gummies over yeah. at OGsBrands.com and make sure you're 21 and over uh, before you partake. Yeah. I checked in my room last night, right? They, mm-hmm. they, they, they left my bag at the airport. We had to fly over. I flew over last night. I didn't fly with the team. And I check in, and they had the audacity to have a, a, about a six-pack <laughs> of these in my room. I don't even drink beer. I'm like, what am I going to do with this? I got all this different kind of beer in here. I mean, and I don't even drink beer. I stopped drinking beer years ago. That's you're why just I a, got this. You're straight liquor guy, huh? I'm trying, I'm, I'm trying to develop this, 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 get this six pack back, baby. You know? <laughs> you, uh, I, can't, you, I, can't, I can't get a six pack drinking beer. What's the, what's the, what's the drink of choice then? Straight vodka. Oh, straight damn. Vodka, soda water. No. Soda water. On, oh. Straight vodka, a little soda water, a little lime. That's it. I don't put any sugar in my drinks. I don't. I try not to put sugar anywhere near me. Well, that makes sense. I got cause... too much. I got too much sugar already. Oh, on me, you know? I, I was about to say that's why you're so salty all the time. But okay, uh... <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. Um... That's funny. That's a good one. Uh, so. Obviously, the Kings and the Warriors, we'll move on to, to some of the other stuff going around the league. Kings and Warriors, a lot of talk over the last couple of days about Draymond and Demontis Sabonis. Uh, did he grab his leg? Did he not grab his leg? Did he deserve to be stomped on like he was a WWE uh, wrestler? Uh, J.J. Redick had an interesting take on this as well, and let's hear what he had to say on first take. The series. They have allowed too much. I have no problem with physical play in the playoffs. But if Steph Curry's not allowed to move off the ball, if you're preventing players from running down the court and you're allowing that to happen, there's a play uh, late, late in game two where Kevon Looney's right underneath the rim, ready for a rebound. Sabonis crashes in, pushes him in the back. They don't call the foul. That's a foul. The referees have dictated too much in the Kings' favor in this series. I really believe that. And I don't know if it's the home crowd or whatever. I rarely complain about the referees. In fact, I don't even know if I've ever complained about the referees. I think they're great. But if they're going to come back in this series, they've got to call the game the way the game is supposed to be called. I really believe that. Ooh, uh, J.J. Redick uh, this morning on his Old Man in Three podcast, you know what he did? He was, oh, let me walk it back a little bit because he was catching a lot of flack and said that he was uh, taken out of context. Uh, I, for one, uh, I I don't really agree with J.J. because, I mean, we have seen I the Clippers. I mean, 
you have seen uh, – why can I not remember his name? Tall guy, can shoot the threes in the corner uh, for the Clippers. Uh, Nicholas Batum. Batum. Straight up grabbing, grabbing Devin Booker around the arms, no call. Like, well, hey, you got to play through it sometimes. Like, you just got to go. Uh, EJ, you wanted to talk about J.J. Redick and what he said? What are your thoughts? J.J. Redick uh, is on record uh, a couple of months ago of saying, having the audacity to say, that today's game is more physical than the 80s. <laughs> now, you got to understand something. J.J. Redick probably wasn't even born yet. I don't know what year he was born, but he probably wasn't even born yet. So he's saying that today's game is more physical than the 80s. And then he tried to walk it back and say, well, I mean, I'm talking about it's not a lot of fights. and that. J.J., the game today is so soft compared to when we played. How dare you complain about physicality in a game today where Kevin Durant got a foul the other night because he rubbed the shoulder of Kawhi Leonard, and it was his left shoulder, and he's right-handed on a shot. The game is so protective of shooters today, it is ridiculous. And you're complaining that the Kings are physical with Steph and Clay. They're not physical with them. They, that, that's not physicality. Physicality is back in the 80s, the, the era that you said is not as, as physical. If you ran through that lane, you were going to get murdered. You were getting hit and the officials didn't call it. Knocked off stride, uh, butted out of bounds, grabbed on your arm, everything. But you know what the officials allowed us to do when they did that? We can grab back. We can adjust ourselves and get momentum off of them. And we love playing that way. It was no problem. We came off the pick, yeah. raise up, shoot. Guy punched me in the stomach. It was a fair play. Guy go up, and if he taps any part of my hand, fair play. Yeah, hands part of they the ball. Can tap your elbow, fair play. You look at the official, say that didn't affect your shot. Dude, stop complaining, man, about the physicality in this soft game that has been changed with rules for the last number of years to protect dudes like you. Jump shooters have it easy. Guys used to step up under us on shots all the time, okay? And we're in fear of stepping on their foot. Now yeah. it's a flagrant. You don't even get that fear anymore. Stop, man. Yeah. I don't know what agenda he's on, but it bothers me when a guy's on an agenda and he didn't even he wasn't even born yet. Now, you could go pick up some film because if he went and picked up some film, and he saw, just, I'll send you film, JJ, of me. I got 80% of my games that I played. And I played in almost, what, 13, 14, 1,300 games, whatever it was. I'll send you film of how it was when I was trying to get open on the pick, man. Okay? And didn't complain one bit. I just came off, found a way, and just drilled it right in the damn grill. Like, get the next one. Too late. Okay? You... <laughs> protecting Steph, who definitely gets illegal screens to get open. Yes, yes. I mean, you're protecting him? Well, you got Draymond sticking his rear end out and knocking guys off stride so he can get open? Really? Man, stop. Yeah. He jumps on a tangent sometimes, man, that just, and then he, wants to, then he wants to back off of it. Like, no, man, stay with what you said, dude. Yeah. No, I stay agree. Stay with what you said. I agree. Yeah, if I played in this era right now, man, I'd get not only average with about three or four free throws a game when I played, man, I'd get 10 free throws. The way these guys just touch each other and they call fouls, stop complaining. <laughs> um, <clears throat> I will say this about DeMontis Sabonis. Um, he does give me Rodman-like uh, vibes from time to time out there. Uh, I have seen him grab guys and pull them down. Uh, and so I, I can I okay. can see to a certain degree why people might have beef with DeMontis Sabonis. However, 
Uh, there is no there is no beef or there is no argument that can be made that DeMontis Sabonis is a dirty player when he's pulling down the same kind of dude that does the same kind of antics on the other side in Draymond Green. And then the way Draymond Green celebrated the fact that he stomped on this dude's chest and was made the villain and just really brought attention to me, that really swung the game in the other way and and everything just kind of got out of hand from the words from that point on. And that's we've seen this before from Draymond. We've seen this before uh, yeah, when do, he kicked. Do we have that video? Do we have that video? With the the Draymond video, yeah. No, we can't we can't show NBA highlights here, buddy. We get we get copyright strikes on that. I'm on the show. You can do whatever you want. But anyway, <laughs> so so anyway, okay. Go ahead. I want to make this point. On go ahead. It's hard for people to understand this, and so I'm going to try to say it as easy as I can. Within the game of basketball, it's gamesmanship. It's different things that like players, unwritten rules, right? Unwritten rule is don't hit a player above the shoulder or below the waist. Okay. Mm -hmm. We do have those rules where that can maybe start a fight. All right. Guys are going to get elbowed, you know, in the extremity, you know, in the upper extremities because that's just, you're both there, you're fighting. That's going to happen. So, you know, for the most part, you kind of tend to accept that. You kind of tend to accept you go up for a shot, you drive, and then somebody accidentally hits you in the face. I mean, because all of us have done that to somebody else as basketball players. So mm-hmm. what DeMontis Sabonis is doing to me is more gamesmanship than dirty. It's more gamesmanship than dirty. Like, everybody thought Bill Lambeer was just this vicious, dirty player. He hit a, he hit a few people. Don't get me wrong. I saw him but hit Tom most, Chambers in a preseason game. I know that shit. <laughs> but most of the time... He was really just faking like he was going to do it. So he put fear into you that he was going to do it. You get my point? Mm -hmm. And so you had to now battle through that fear that he might do it. That's gamesmanship. That's letting you know that I might might do it to you and I might not. So it's making you think when you go in there and you're trying to lay up, I might take you out. And then you go in there, what do you do? You go in there soft. Mm -hmm. You go in there looking for something. And now you take your mind off your shot. It's gamesmanship. Now, when he was lying on the floor, and I want people to kind of understand where I'm going with this, and I want you to go back and look at the video. Okay, we can't play it because NBA gets off. So I want you to go back and look at it. When he he didn't grab his ankle, he grabbed his calf. He didn't grab his ankle. The ankle is down by your damn foot. Down but Eddie, there. but Eddie, he had an X-ray done on his ankle. Draymond Green did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Okay. He grabbed his calf. He locked his hands and he basically locked his hands and he didn't really grab them. He just locked his hands together and his leg was between his hands. That's exactly what happened. All right. And so Draymond then, so, okay, that's a tech. No problem. It's a tech. He gets it. You, you allow six fouls in the game and you allow one tech. That's what you get as a player. To, to be able to still play in the game and not get disqualified, you allow one tech and you allow five fouls. Anything other than that, you're out the game. Okay, so we know this, and we're going to use those what? Strategically. You don't want to finish a game and you play 35 minutes and you only got one foul. You're not playing a strategic game. So you want to use those. A coach will get a tech to change the tide of the game. A player will get a tech to change the tide of a game. Okay, so it's gamesmanship. Mm-hmm. And so what he did was gamesmanship that was illegal, but it only got him a tech. That's it. Yeah. So he gets the tech. Instead of Draymond walking away, and saying, okay, we got a tech, we get a free throw, that's automatic with Steph, we get the ball, new ball game. No, 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 no. You're not going to disrespect me. My name Dray. <laughs> My name is Dre. I'm part of new media. Oh, okay? I got a <clears throat> podcast. Okay. Easy now. Come on now. Right. 
No, I'm just saying that's him. I mean, he does what a podcast does well. It's true. It's true. But but all those things, right? Mm-hmm. You're not gonna disrespect me. I'm King Dirty in the NBA. I'm the enforcer in the NBA, not you, Sabonis. I'm the enforcer. So let me show everybody now, regardless of the game, regardless that I'm down 0-1, regardless that the Kings are proven to be a problem, although you like the idea of riding on the bus over to the game, so that's why you wanted the Kings. So all those things, right, you got it right here in your hand. You got Sabonis to act up. Now you get the free throw. Now you got the ball. Now you got a chance to win. Go home 1-1. No, 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 not me. You're not going to do that, dude. I'm going to put my foot on your chest. And people talk about, well, you know, he shouldn't have got suspended because, you know, he did that to us. He grabbed his ankle and he stepped. Now, we just saw a kid almost die on a football field because somebody put a helmet into his chest, DeMar Hamlin. We just saw it, and we were amazed that his heart would stop on something like that. What makes you think a dude that's 240 pounds jumping up on the chest of a guy couldn't do the same thing? People so hypocritical, man, when it's about their team and they don't want to look at it. But when it's life and death, when it's about somebody getting injured, that stuff's out the window. What Draymond did was egregious, and then he leaped off of his chest. So not only did he stomp his chest, then he had to press down to leap. What if that had happened to be De'Aaron Fox? Oh, shit, yeah. So Bonus got the strong chest. I heard he's sore as heck. But what if it had been De'Aaron Fox? Then what, people? Yeah. What he did was egregious. It had nothing to do with gamesmanship. Nothing. It had a lot to do with him trying to hurt him. Just like he hurt, tried to hurt Jordan Poole. Don't you know he has that in his heart? Yeah. yeah. He has I mean- it in his heart. He can never convince me he doesn't. When you go after a teammate, a guy that you spend all these days with, that you battle with, a guy last year that helped you get a championship when you stumped the first four games of a, of a finals. Okay? Jordan Poole was the guy hitting shots at the end of quarters that saved you. When you have the audacity, man, to be mad at him because he cracked on you after you were cracking on him and everybody laughed and you didn't like it because they're not giving you money and he just getting ready to get paid and you try to end his career with a punch? I will never respect that. Yeah. And so I don't want to hear it. The dude is egregious and he should have been suspended and the league was correct in doing it. All these people running around talking, oh, you know, I think that was wrong. Please stop. And Steve Kerr's my boy. But Steve, when your players do it, we don't hear it to the same level as when other players do it to your players. As you got on Marcus Smart for talking about he broke a code as you got on Dylan Brooks, as you went through a soliloquy on about Gary Payton II, who I love, okay? I've seen the kid since he's been a young young yep. kid, okay? I played with his dad. I love Gary Payton. I hated that he got hurt. But you went through a whole thing about that, okay? But yet, when they asked you about Draymond, you didn't see the video yet. Stop, man. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. I, I, can't, I can't go with that, man. And that's why I'm very loud and outspoken about it. Yeah, I mean, clearly you're passionate about this one. Um, Folks, if you like what Eddie just had to say, or if you don't, and you just like the content, that's cool. Just hit that like button, subscribe to to our YouTube channel. Uh, It helps us out. We appreciate it very much. Uh, And uh, Eddie basically just confirmed Draymond Green is going to be a Phoenix Sun next year. (laughs) You know what? You know what? And if he does something dirty, I'll say it's dirty. Yeah, no, I know you will. I'll For say sure. it's a foul. I mean, it's like I'm, I'm not going to compromise myself for the good of somebody else. First, I'm not doing it. I'm going to say, and then I'll explain it. But I think that's the way I, I carry myself on air, and I always do it. You know, but the only way you have to earn that, right? You, have, you, have yeah. to, can't, you can't be negative all the time. I'm not. Mm-hmm. I mean, like I support my guys. I'm going to be in their corner. 
But if they foul somebody, I'm going to watch the replay. I'm going to say, yeah, it was a foul. We, uh, if you, like, yeah. That's just the way it is. <clears throat> if you got questions for Eddie, uh, especially about the Clippers and Suns, or even this, that's fine. Uh, throw them in the chat. We'll 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 get to them at the end of the show. Uh, but real quick, before we do wrap things up, we got the old man in DB. <laughs> uh, and if you don't know what we're talking about, <clears throat> Dylan Brooks has something interesting to say yesterday in the locker room after the Grizzlies won. Was uh, you know, and when they started making a run, there are some people. Lakers are making that run. They get it to 14. You and LeBron have that exchange. There are people out there that say maybe maybe you shouldn't do that with one of the better players in the game. What, I guess what what were you thinking? I don't care. He's old. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's I was waiting for that. I was expecting him to do that. Game four, game five. He wanted to say something when I got my fourth foul. Um, he shouldn't have saying that earlier on. Um, but you know, I poke bears. Um, I don't respect no one until they come and give me 40. Um, so um, I pride myself on, you know, what I do is defense and taking on any challenge that's on the board. First of all, uh, <laughs> I don't know if I like Dylan Brooks or if I hate Dylan Brooks. I am conflicted because I think he's funny as shit because of the stuff that he says, but he's also... Just like, what are you saying right now? Like, you, he said, I don't care. He's old. <laughs> and I lost it. Like, that was... Eddie, I know you 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 love you some LeBron, and that's all good. Uh, I think this is kind of a part of gamesmanship myself. Like, just, you know, LeBron's giving it to you. We remember what LeBron said to campaign. When campaign started, you know, talking the, the year after they went to the finals and LeBron was on the sideline, he was like, hey, don't don't talk all that sh- shit because you got there one time. Like, you know, talk about it on the court or whatever. Like, and, and I'm just like, you know what, LeBron, you know, you dish it out. You got to take it too sometimes. And I don't know well, what's going on here, but I, I, I thought it was amusing. Yeah, I know well, you the have one a different thing, take. One thing that I do hear about LeBron, he doesn't really trash talk on the court to other players, you you know, he'll turn to the, to the fans and he'll do mm-hmm. stuff in theatrics after he dunks or something, he'll celebrate within himself. But I heard he doesn't actually orally trash talk to guys uh, from what I understand. And you never heard it. I said, from what I understand. No, I know, but I, you've been courtside. Have you I've never, never heard, heard it? No, okay. no, no, I've, I've never seen it, but I was one of the biggest trash talkers that played. Um, so I'm not going to like be hypocritical here. Uh, I think you always want to get the mental edge on anybody and say certain things. Uh, but again, I gave a story about Larry Bird. I cursed him out at the jump circle because he was messing with me. And I paid a price. I paid a heavy price. I said something to Michael Jordan one time at the end of a game. I thought the game was over. I paid a price. <laughs> He almost came back and single-handedly won the damn game. We were up like eight with about 50 seconds left, and this fool turned into a crazed animal, okay? (laughs) So Dylan Brooks is correct. I like his mental capacity. I've I've loved him ever since he's been in the game. He has an old-school mentality to his game, and that reminds me a lot of the guys that played in the 80s. Uh, So I do like Dylan Brooks. I think he's great for their team. Uh, And – I think he's nuts. Like <laughs> I, I do too. I, I think I, I think what he just did, he unleashed this crazed animal that he calls old. Uh and he's gonna get a dose of it. And you know, LeBron had 28 yesterday. So now he, he I wish I should have said that then. I should have said it to Cotton when Cotton used to tell me, Eddie, you're not guarding anybody. I like coach. I ain't worried about anybody until they drop oh, 40. Until he gets, until he gets 40? <laughs> I don't want to hear. I would have pulled you oh, out so fast. <laughs> until, he 40, until he gets 40, I don't want to hear. <laughs> I mean, really? So he he's a defender, and he's saying until somebody gets 40? That just goes to show you how easy it is to score in today's game. Yeah, That he is reaching for 40. Really, man, 40. So maybe that's subliminal. Maybe he wants LeBron to come out and get individualistic, right, and go for 40 Yeah. and give them a chance to win. If that's the case, he's brilliant. 
right? He's yeah. brilliant then. If, if that's what he was doing, that is brilliant, okay? But to call somebody old, man, that dude's old averaging 30 points a game. You young, you couldn't get 30 in your – you couldn't get 30 if somebody gave you a ladder and a flashlight. <laughs> and Lord the master. <laughs> okay, but he old. It's like these people be calling me old. They like, you old. I, I got a better body than most of y'all. I'm old. That's okay. It's about the body, man. It ain't about your age. Okay, you walking around. You walking around at twenty something years old, tell, calling me old, and you can't run a ten yard dash. Who's old? <laughs> um, I agree. I agree. Uh, I think Dylan Brooks. Listen, Dylan Brooks is definitely one of those guys where you love him if he's on your team, you hate him if he's not. And I think that's there's a well, lot of guys like that. Be. Same thing with uh, Draymond. Well, do well, do the Suns like that. Do the, Suns, like do the Suns yes. need an agitator? Yes. Yeah, every team needs one. Because they lost Jay Crowder. So who's the ag- who would you say is the agitator on this I didn't think Jay team? Crowder was an agitator. I didn't. I mean, he was as close to one as you can get you can't on be an, this team. How could you be an agitator when you spent – and this is not a job, uh, 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 you know, because Jay gets sensitive because we made a mistake one time, and I told his dad that, you know, it was a mistake on our part. We put him on the cover of one of our podcasts. Uh, yeah. I, I love Jay Crowder. I think he's a tremendous individual. He's a great teammate. I saw him front and center, very cordial to everybody around him. Uh, and I'm not saying all this to just kind of balance what I'm getting ready to say, but it's just a fact. It's hard to be an enforcer when you're never in the paint. Okay. Okay. Like to me, like guys trying to intimidate you on the perimeter don't didn't never bother, never scared me. The only guys that scared me was them dudes in the paint, man. Calvin Nat. Like that dude intimidated me. Like, you know, I mean, I had to block this dude out. You know, Lonnie Shelton. You don't know what I'm talking about? Look him up, man. Yeah. Like, it was dudes like that, man. Dennis Rodman. Like, yeah, they got on under my skin because I was in an environment in that paint that I wasn't always in. And so I knew they could get me in there. They couldn't get me on the perimeter because they couldn't catch me. You know, but once you get in that paint, they can get their hands on you. And so, yeah, so no. I I mean, so Jay was always around the three-point line, man. So I, I never viewed him as an intimidator for the Suns. Mm-hmm. And that's something, yeah, I think in the future we definitely need. Yeah, for sure, for sure. All right, there was there was a question earlier in the chat um, from Charles Coulter. I do believe there it is. Uh, what does EJ think about Clippers depth loading up on the Suns with fouls to weaken the Suns starters minutes? Well, I mean they're going to use their fouls. Uh, they, they've used their fouls strategically, and I, I just went through that whole thing. Right, you mm-hmm. use your fouls strategically. If you only got one foul in the in the quarter, and you got four minutes left. Well, damn it, you should use two more of those fouls before you automatically go get to the two-minute mark where they can say, okay, it doesn't matter if you only have one foul, two in the last minute, send the team to the bonus. Okay. Use your foul strategically, and that's what they're doing. Like, yeah. they're fouling the Suns, but they're not fouling them when they're in the bonus. So the Suns have to work their way to the bonus by doing what? Being more aggressive at the rim early in quarters to get three-team fouls, and now yeah. they can't strategically do stuff like that. So, yeah, I mean, that, that's the only way they're going to beat the Suns people is they got to junk the game up. And that's yeah. what they've been doing. And Ty Lue is one of the best at doing it. I'm, all these changing of defenses and all these different things, he's trying to junk the game up to give Kawhi Leonard a chance, as he did in game one, to go win the game. Yeah. And that's what Kawhi did. And so the Suns can't allow themselves to get to that point. I'm not going to put you on the spot in terms of predicting tonight's game, but what I will ask you is, do you expect the Suns to play better in the first quarter tonight? Yes, I expect the Suns to play much better, and I expect the Clippers to somewhat feel the pressure that the Suns felt at home. People don't understand. Like They think when you're at home, you're in a safe environment. You are, but it's pressure, right? Think about it. Let me give you a a, a simple example. When you're at home, you might feel safe. You might feel supported. But I guarantee you, you're also making sure you don't do nothing wrong. You know why? Because mom and dad see you. They see you. 
<laughs> you can't because they see you and they're judging you on everything. You get out the house, how is it? You're cursing, you're having a good time. <laughs> we need Now I want we, you to compare we, that now. We need a, a little warped analogy, but just pay attention. <laughs> you're home, right? What do the fans expect? Every time KD go up to shoot. A make. Making it. Mm. Make it. Yeah. We're at home. We're on our turf. They should be nervous. We should dominate them. We're cheering for our team. We're booing them. Doesn't work that way. Yeah. You feel pressure to produce. Sometimes it becomes a load. And the team that's in there visiting, everybody's against them. They're out in an environment where nobody cares about them anyway. Yeah. So why not let it go? <laughs> why not let the curse words go? <laughs> nobody can see me. I'm not going to get a belt. I'm not going to get punished. <laughs> <laughs> and you play with ease. Yeah. And so just watch tonight. I truly believe it. Like now young players are different. Young players need that encouragement and I get it. So it's not always the case. It's not a hundred percent, but for the most part, teams kind of feel pressure like, and they kind of squeeze it because they want to perform so well that they kind of like get pressurized and they tend to struggle. And so I'm feeling that for the Suns tonight, I'm feeling a team that's going to be loose and easy and a team that's going to come out and be more, I think, in tune with their game okay. uh, than they have been at home. And that's, that's right. what I'm expecting. But I'm expecting a close game, without a doubt. Yeah, I think they're all going to be close, to be honest with you. I just – I don't – I mean, the Clippers are a good team. And I think a lot of people slept on it because Paul George isn't playing. But, I mean, they're they're a good team. And you got to give them credit for the way they, they kind of, like you said, muck up the game. Uh, Kawhi is playing at an elite level, and I think a lot of people forgot – Kawhi was Kawhi for, for because we hadn't seen it for about two years, um, but he is that dude, and he is one of the best in the game for a reason. And <clears throat> the way he's kind of controlled this series to a certain degree, I mean, that that's what makes him a Hall of Famer and one of the best players of all time. Uh, two more questions before we get out of here real quick. What does EJ think about putting D, DA on Kawhi all game? I'm going to say hell no. But uh, it, it, can I give my reason why, and you can tell me if I'm go wrong ahead. or right? Oh, go all ahead. Right. First of all, I think throwing D.A. at Kawhi every now and then is a good idea. I think athletically, uh, Kawhi is is good, but he's not so over-the-top quick that D.A. can't stay with him to a certain degree. Now, if you give him a steady diet of D.A., then Kawhi's going to pick him apart because he understands his tendencies. He understands how to get him out of position because Kawhi's an elite scorer of the basketball. Um, so I would say you, you should not just – bank on DA guarding Kawhi all game long. But if you want to throw it uh, a little, a different look at him every now and then, I'm cool with that. What's well, every you? now and then, if you get switched out on him, that's a different animal, but I wouldn't like go in there and game plan that. Yeah. Because to me, if you, if you game plan it, then that's the pressure on DA to live up to what the game plan was. And that means quick foul trouble because Kawhi, all he's going to do is just give him the thought he's going to take a jumper and, and he's going to get an angle on him. He's going to get to the rim and then DA's going to foul him. Kawhi is so good at getting body contact on guys. It it, it just wouldn't work. I, I'll tell you what would work. And the Suns did a little bit of it. Uh, Saul is the travel. Just make somebody else beat him. Yeah. Like make Kawhi a passer, you know, but passing not to Eric Gordon. Like yes. if you're guarding Eric Gordon, you stay on him. Yes. You don't help on him. I mean, damn, some of these guys, man, I don't understand it. Man. That's why I said I wish I played in today's game. Because when I played, dude would just be like, I'd be looking at a dude sometime, I'd be like, damn, man, I would I, I would probably think in surmise, you just want to kiss me right now. That's how close you are to me. Can you just give me some space? I know I'm good looking, but damn. <laughs> Can you just back up? And guys used to crack up when I would do that, right? I'd go over to the bitch. I'd say, hey, coach, seriously, can you tell him? You got some gum? Because I truly believe he's getting ready to kiss me. You got him so close up on me, man. And they just crack up and laugh, right? That's how they should be with Eric Gordon yeah. when they trap Kawhi. Because to me, I'm not, that, I'm not as afraid of Terrence Mann, okay? I'm more afraid of Eric Gordon, man. He has made a life of hitting threes. That is the one guy you do not leave open. Yeah. And other than that, I think they should try it though. Last question. Uh, what bench player on the team do you think Monty should utilize more? Give me one name. Well, I, again, I said it before. I said it's by committee. 
I said, I don't think anybody has earned the right other than Josh Okoge to be the first guy off. Okay. Uh, I don't think Landry's earned that. I, I, I don't, I, I don't think Ross has earned it. I don't think TJ's earned it, but I think for me, I think that I, Ross should get a shot because Ross can come in and change the game. He's like Eric Gordon. He can change the game with his shooting. Mm-hmm. TJ can change the game with his offensive rebound, running the floor. So you got two game changers in a playoff setting, and that's what you search for when you're a coach. You're searching for a wild card. Who was our wild card in the first two games? Torrey Craig. Mm-hmm. So, like, you search for a wild card. And I think out of all those guys over there, I would label them as a wild offensively. Let me say offensively. I would say Terrence Ross because of his shooting, T.J. Warren, okay, Damian Lee. Now, if campaign was healthy, campaign's number one. Yeah. Right? So that's how I would label them. Now, for defense, I would say, obviously, Josh Shikogi, Landry Champ. All right? Okay. Now, both bigs. Landell and Busy, obviously, they're by themselves. We need them. They're in the rotation, in my mind. So that's how I view it. So it's, it's what you need. Like, if the Suns get a 10-point lead, I'm more so going the opposite. Like, some coaches will say, I'm going to go defense. No, 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 no. I'll go offense, man. Yep. Throw TJ out there because I want to expand that 10-point lead. Yep, yep. So it's just that mentality and how Monty would approach it. So I'm interested to see how he approaches it tonight. Should be fun. Game uh, three tonight in L.A. out at the Crypto Center or Crypto.com Arena or whatever the hell they're calling it nowadays. It don't yeah, matter. I'm going to get me some pancakes, man. There, there you go. You can, you can find my man EJ at Jumpshot8 on Twitter. Uh, and you can follow me at Saul Lato, underscore Bookman. Couch potatoes and water boys. I love you guys, uh, though. Don't take it negative. I love you. Uh, EJ, uh, have a good game tonight. We'll see you next week. Everybody else, peace.